Hey yo, this is Spear the Father. My name is Tanner. I'm here with my guys from the 43 Project, and this week we're going to be talking about submitting to authority. part of being a young man is thinking that you're the boss, right? You're the go-to guy. I know that was at least for my life. That was probably when I was the, uh, the cockiest or most full of myself, however you want to put it. I don't know, but I always thought I was right personally and that I had the answer to everything. And uh, as I've grown a little bit and gotten my butt kicked by life, I would say that I've found out that uh, giving in to God's authority is definitely something that I should have done earlier in life and uh, has a huge benefit for everyone, but especially young men. You know, society teaches us that we've got to be these macho men that have to have life all figured out and we've got to be the staples of our families and, uh, and be staples in our careers and uh, basically just have it all together, you know, and I feel like the past few years I haven't had it all together. And a lot of that was because I was I was trying to do my own thing and I was trying to march to my own tune or whatever, however that saying goes, march to the beat of the, your own drum. And uh, I should have been marching to God's drum, it turns out. And so... This week, we're going to be talking about submitting to his authority and, and what that looks like. Last week, we talked about overcoming anxiety, and a big part of that was uh, just giving in to what God has planned for your life rather than doing your own thing. And so today, I'm going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. So I want to dive right into the Bible here and tell you a story that is found in Judges, a story about a guy named Gideon. He's a pretty good dude, um, but uh, he didn't have it all together, and he... Uh, he really wanted to question God and, and try God and see what God was all about. And it turns out that God's will and God's uh, way of doing things turns out to be the answer for him. So Gideon is, is from this really weak tribe, and he's the youngest of all of his brothers, which in biblical terms means he wasn't much. He didn't really have a whole lot going for him. Um, and uh, one day he's he's uh, he's doing whatever. He's doing his chores or something, and he's like in a windmill, and he's got to like harness the wind to do this chore that he's supposed to be doing. I can't even remember what he's doing, but he's standing inside a building, and he needs to be using the wind. And the reason why he's standing inside of this building is because they're being oppressed by these other tribes, the Mennonites, that are surrounding them. And this guy is so scared of what's going on around him that he's literally trying to do something that he needs the wind to do in a building. So he's just living a life of fear. And so while he's doing these chores, an angel comes and visits him and says to him, you know, hey, God's got this plan for you, homie. I need you to, to do this thing that God is calling you to do. And Gideon says, you know, I'm I'm the youngest brother. I'm from the weakest tribe. How am I ever going to be able to do that? You know, I, I, I can't do that. But I do believe in God and I have faith in him. So I'm going to run and go get some things. I'm going to run some few errands. And when I come back, if you're still here, angel, I'll believe that what you're saying is true. And I will do what God has asked me to do. So Gideon runs out and he uh, he does his little chores, does his errands, comes back with a few things that he went out to grab. And what does he find? He finds that the angel is still there. So he says, you know what? All right. I believe you. I believe that uh, what you're saying is true. And I will go ahead and do what you've asked me to do. So let's get it on. So Gideon is called to raise an army so that he can fight against the Mennonites and uh, basically set his people free from oppression. So he goes about and he raises this army up. And even then, after he's raised his army, he's still questioning God, you know. So he puts together a series of, of tests again for him to see if God is real and if God is really the one calling him to do what he's supposed to be doing. And so he uh, he deploys these tests. He takes like a he takes like a animal fur and he leaves it out overnight. And he says, you know, one night he says, God, if you're real and this is what you want me to be doing, let the ground be covered in dew. 
but let the cloth, let the animal fur be clean and have no dew on it. And then I'll know that you're legit. And this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. So he does that. And sure enough, he wakes up and the ground's covered in dew and the, the animal fur is completely dry, is completely clean. So he's like, all right, I still don't believe you. So let's do it the other way. Let's go tonight. If you're real and this is really what you want me to be doing, let's uh, have you have dew on this, on this animal fur here and let's have the ground be dry. So two nights in a row, God does what he asks. And he's like, all right, man, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to raise this army. Like, let's go get after it. You got to follow my will for your life. So have some faith in me. And he's like, okay. And so Gideon takes his army and he goes out and as he's marching to fight the Mennonites, God comes to him and he says, Hey, Gideon, uh, you built too big of an army. It's, it's, it's too much for me to show my strength and my power. Like if you win this battle, people will just think that you did it. So I need you to cut your numbers. I need you to cut things down to like 10,000 people if you can. And so Gideon sends a bunch of people home, trusting in the Lord until he's got about 10,000 men with him. And he continues to march towards his enemy. And then, God comes to him again and he's like, you know what, Gideon, like, thank you for doing what you did, but it's not enough. I need you to cut the army down even smaller. I need you to get down to 300 men. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to take all your men to the river and to go drink from the river. And the men that, that kneel down and lap up the water in their hands to drink instead of just drinking right from the river, those are the men that I want you to take into battle with you. And so Gideon, having faith in God, does that. And uh, only 300 guys meet the qualifications that, that God has called him to uh, be picking these guys with. So Gideon continues his march with only 300 men in his army. And the Bible says that they were about to go up, up against an army of 135,000 people. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what that math was in my head, but I wanted to run the numbers cause those were pretty uneven odds. So I did the math. And if there's 135,000 people in the enemy army and Gideon's got 300 guys, that means that every single individual had to kill 450 Mennonites in order to win this battle. And, uh, I mean, I played Call of Duty a few times, and my KD is never never close to 450 in one. So I was like, man, those are not great odds. He's, he's, he's probably not going to win this thing. Um, but sure enough, you know, God comes to him in a dream the night before the battle and gives him this elaborate plan of how to defeat these people. And Gideon's army of 300 is able to destroy this army of 135,000 people. And the story ends with Gideon chasing them out of his country. And every time he catches their leaders, he's beheading them and knocking down, knocking down cities and, and destroying all of these um, altars to false gods and everything like that. And he did that all because he submitted to God's authority. You know, he thought that he didn't stand a chance and he thought that that wasn't what he was called to do. But he had faith in God and he had faith in, in God's plan for his life. And he knew that if he followed what God had uh, set before him, that uh, he would not only overcome it, but he would prosper, you know, and I think that that's something that we don't often think about is that a lot of times God calls us to face obstacles and to face trials and tribulations in life. And uh, we think that it's just about making it through that. And that's the only thing, like, can we survive this test that God has for us? But people often forget that once you survive that test, not only have you grown closer to God, but he's gonna, he's gonna bring blessing and praise to your life for doing that. You know, that's what he's called us to do here on earth as Christians. So when we are able to do that and when we are able to fulfill God's will in our life, he does bless us as a reward for that. It may not always be on earth. A lot of times, you know, you're storing up your blessings in heaven, as the Bible says. But uh, no matter what, one day we're going to reap the benefits of doing what God has called us to do. I think that uh, an example, a more modern example of that where people struggle is tithing. You know, the world is all about money, money, money. Everybody's got to have more money. They want more money. Greed is such a big thing. And especially for young kids like us that are, you know, working two jobs or 
paying off debt or buying their first car or their first house or whatever. You know, we want to hold on to all of our money and it's really hard to tithe. And, you know, whether we want to or not, that is a biblical principle and it is something that we need to do is tithe, is give that first 10% of every dollar that we make to the Lord. Um, and he's not asking us to do that because he's greedy, but it requires us to submit to his authority and to have faith in him that even though we're giving up that money, he will, uh, he will bless us and he will return that in his own way. You know, God has access to all resources on earth and, uh, we can't be petty enough to think that giving away 10%, God's not going to be able to re restore 10% of our income because he surely is. I know that, uh, in my own life, a personal example is I got a, I got out of a youth group the other night and I had to drive home in the dark because my headlights were out in my car and I was like, no way, man, what am I going to do? My headlights are out and I'm in trouble here. So, and I knew that I had to drive that weekend. I was going on a road trip and it was going to be driving at night, like the whole time. So I knew that I definitely needed to get these headlights fixed. But my problem was that I just started tithing and I had given away like my last 100 bucks that I had of extra money and I needed the rest for this trip. So I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I got no idea, but I know that I, I've done my tithing and I've given it up to God. So he's going to take care of me. I didn't really think that at the time, you know, we want to question all the time, but the fact of the matter was he had my back. So fast forward to the next day, I bring my car into the dealership and I get my lights replaced and I'm walking up to the counter to pay for it. And the lady's like, all right, sir, your total is like 4376 or whatever it was. And I checked my bank account and man, I had like 30, 38 bucks. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like five bucks short. There's no way. Like I'm gonna have to call my mom, see if she can Venmo me some money or something. Like I'm 25. How embarrassing is that? I got to call my mom in front of this lady and ask for some more cash for some headlights. And, uh, this lady looks at her computer screen. She looks up at me with a big smile and she's like, but I got great news for you, son. Like you spent enough money here that you've built up reward points. And so we're just going to be able to credit this to your account and you don't even have to pay for it. You've got loyalty rewards saved up and it's all taken care of. So if you just sign this here, it's already been paid for and you're good to go. And it was like, I looked at her and I was like, man, God bless you. And God bless this situation because I thought I was sunk. And, and sure enough, he had provided for me. I mean, it's not always that obvious of an example, you know, right? Like, I gave that money up like two days before that and God was so quick to return it. It doesn't always happen just like that. But, uh, that was just an example in my life and a stage where I was pretty early on in my tithing. And that was just affirmation that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, uh, that no matter what I was doing, God was ruling over my life and he was going to take care of me as long as I was doing my best to do what he had called me to do. And on that subject of tithing, I think about like my grandparents, my grandma is like the most faithful tither of all time. Like she was trying to teach me to tithe when I was like three She'd take me to the dollar store and be like, all right, I'll give you a dollar and 25 cents. You can get one thing at the dollar store, but you got to give me a dime back because you got to give it to God. And I'm like three, four years old. Like, Grandma, what are you? I don't even know what any of this stuff is. I don't know what money is. I don't know what quarters are, but okay, like, here's this. Give it to God. And so her whole life, she was tithing. And I'll tell you what, my grandpa never in his life before he passed away, he never made as much as I made at my first job making minimum wage. And he was still able to raise two beautiful daughters, my aunt and my mom. And, uh, and he was able to teach my grandma what it meant to tithe and what that meant for your life. And now we fast forward. My grandma's retired. I don't even know where she gets her money from, right? But she still is tithing to the Lord and has probably been one of my biggest supporters as I've moved forward in my young adult life trying to uh, make bigger purchases like cars and, and paying off student loan debt and all that stuff. My grandma is willing and able to give freely. And I don't know. I don't know. I think she's got a money tree in her backyard or something because I don't know where she gets her money from. But... She's always willing to give that first 10% to God, and in return, he has just blessed her life tremendously. So that's a great example that I have in my life. I think that that is all written and uh, spoken clearly in, in Matthew. 
In Matthew, it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I mean, like, that's just the Bible straight up telling us that God will provide for us. Once we trust in him and we start to let his, his will make decisions for our lives and we start to do things that will benefit and glorify him, he's going to provide for us, right? Like, it's sometimes so difficult to, just using the example of money, it's so difficult to give away that money that you think that you're going to need to pay bills or whatever. But as soon as we trust in him and we start doing his will, he will take care of you and he will provide for you. Uh, and another another verse that kind of mirrors that statement is Jeremiah 29, 11, And that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And it's like, I like to think I know what I have planned for my life, but life will throw you curveballs in a minute, man. You get it all planned out, and then and then life just changes, like, in a heartbeat. Like, I just had some friends that were about to go to Nepal on a mission trip. They had their whole life planned out. This young married couple, they were about to go to Nepal. They were going to go on another mission trip next year. Had already been saving money. Had been fundraising. They had all their money raised for Nepal. And they were going to start having kids right after they got back from that second mission trip next year. But, but what happened? Sure enough, they're pregnant right now with twins and had to cancel that Nepal trip. And they could have used that as a as a reason to curse God and to wonder why he put that in their lives when he did, especially when they were going out to serve him and do his will on mission trips. But instead, you know, they said, what a beautiful opportunity this is to start our family and to, uh, to get things going a little bit quicker than we had anticipated. But, you know, it's God's plan for our life, and we're just going to come at this situation having faith in him and so excited for what our future holds. And, and uh, I just think that they're a shining example of, you know, just rolling with the punches, right? God's going to give you whatever he thinks you can handle or whatever he thinks you need in your life. Uh, and whether you think it or not, it is God's plan. And, and as we talked about last week, you know, God's a lot smarter than we are. I think that I know everything sometimes, but that is just not the case, you know, and, and God is quick to remind us of that. And I think another example of that in pop culture is our boy Kanye West, right? So this guy, like, by all means, pretty much had it figured out by society standards, by worldly standards. He had he had money, he had cars, he had his rap career, man. He's married to Kim K. Like, life is good. What more could you ask for? And, uh, and then out of nowhere, he's just like, yeah, like, I've had all these things. I've had all this sex, success. I've had all this fame. And, uh, and it just wasn't it. It wasn't satisfying to me. It wasn't what I wanted in life. And uh, he says this on his new album that he's got in one of his songs. He says, I bow down to the king upon the throne. My life is his. I'm no longer my own. And it's like, what better way to put it, you know? At, I remember hearing Kanye say that he was a king, you know, and thinking that he was God himself sometimes he was talking like that. And now he's just realizing that uh, it's not his life to live. You know, every day that we have is a blessing and is a gift from God. And we need to be using that blessing to glorify him. He goes on to say, follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We're nobody's slave. And uh, he is just doing exactly that. He's no more living for what culture says he needs to be doing to be successful. And he's uh, chosen to set himself free and just to follow Jesus and to listen to and obey uh, his word and that's really all that we can we can do, you know. We're not all going to be Kanye West, but we can all listen and obey what God has uh, planned for our lives and what God has told us we need to be doing in our lives. And, um, yeah, I just think he's a great example of that, right? We think it's so hard in life sometimes to give up the things that we've got, whether it's our friends, whether it's our hobbies or whatnot, to do what God has called us to do or going on mission trips, you know, travels, that sort of thing. 
and giving that stuff up. Like Kanye had all that stuff and he's now willing to give up all of that so that he can be making gospel music and spreading the word of God. And that's just a beautiful example, I would say. Um, in John fourteen sixteen, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And uh, yeah, that just basically summarizes this whole point, right? Like there is no point to live really other than to glorify God and to glorify Jesus and everything that we do. That's what's going to give us eternal life and going to be our ticket into heaven. So just be willing to give up those earthly possessions and whatever materialistic things that you think that you need or whatever society is telling you that you need to do to be happy and to find peace and to find joy. Uh, just surrender all those things to God's will and, and watch the blessing that he pours out in your life and the happiness that he will provide you. Because at the end of the day, he is the ultimate source of happiness and he is the ultimate source of joy. And, uh, I, you know, I've met some Christians that have darn near nothing and are happier than just about anyone I've ever met. And that's because of their faith in God and knowing that he is going to provide for them no matter what they're going through in life. Um, so, yeah, just surrender your authority to God. Listen and pray and ask him to show his will to you in your life every day so that you can carry out his mission for you and so that you can do your best to glorify him. You know, you've been given a very specific set of skills and talents uh, that you can use in some way to benefit him and to glorify him. So just do that. You know, it's it's hard to give up your own authority and uh, not think that you know it all. You know, I even think that at times I think that I know better than he does. And uh, just stay humble and look to him for the answers. And he will give you a, a beautiful and, and glory-filled life that you can enjoy and, and live feeling content. Yo, everybody, thanks for listening. If you guys liked the message today and it spoke to you or you feel like it could impact someone in your life, share, subscribe, and hit us with a five-star rating. We can be found on 43.tech forward slash FTF. Again, that's 40 spelled out F-O-R-T-Y, the number three period tech forward slash FTF. Thanks for tuning in. We'll hear you soon. Thank you.